Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Welcome to A Few Things, where we give our greatest discoveries the podcast they deserve. I'm Claire Mazer. And I'm Erica Cerullo. This show is brought to you by Avakind. Find out more and sign up for our newsletter at avakind.com. And while you're there, why not order a copy of our book, Work Wife? And leave us a voicemail, 833-AVAKIND. 833-AVAKIND. Um, what are you excited about on avakind.com right now? <sighs> well, I just received a text message that you oh. were also on. <laughs> I love when you, you got, do this. You got so... <laughs> You got so offended. Well, no, I love when you do this. Like, I just got a text message. I'm like, bitch, we both got the text message. No, you don't want to be left out. We just got the text message. You don't want to be left out. Yeah. Um, We just received a text (laughs) message. Mm, Excuse me. I tiptoe around this one. Um, We gifted aprons to two of our friends. Yeah. And they just received them and we're so psyched. They are the Luminarium Celestine aprons. They are the chicest apron I've ever seen. Yeah. it looks like something that a Swedish woman might wear just, like, as part of her everyday outfit. Yeah, like, she'd throw it on to, like, put together a vase of wildflowers or to, but, like, get her sourdough starter going. Or but just, then like, also just walk to the store in it. Yeah, like, well, I feel yeah, like yeah, it'd yeah, just yeah, be, yeah. like, her accessory. Well, it has, like, nice pockets. It's you can, like, po- throw your, like, money in there, your cash. It's also your got, euros, if yeah, you will. Yeah. It's also got a little, like, cloth napkin thing mm-hmm. attached to it that so you, you can, can dry your little on there. paws yeah. off. Yeah. It's so cute. It is now 10% off with the coat, a few things. How wonderful. Truly. Um, so you have some big news, and this is truly just this news came only to you and not to me. So yeah, you, you weren't on this text no. message. Yeah. Um, so I, Chris and I were home the other night just having a nice evening. And, he was, and you had had sort of a long day. You I had, had a like, long day. I needed some good news. And man, did it come. And he said, hey, I actually ran into an old coworker on the street today. And I said, oh, how lovely. And he said, <laughs> she just— Is that got, how you talk at home? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and he said, she just got a new job um, at an advertising agency— and would you guess what her first account is? And I said, no, tell me. And he said her first account at her, this new job. I bet you said pray tell, though. I said Based on how you talk at home. Do tell. <laughs> it's haagen Wow. This friend slash ex-coworker of Chris's. Former. Is, is Let's work, not make it former feel. Former coworker. Let's not make it feel like I broke up intentionally. Is working on the haagen account. At this advertising agency. What, you and can, I wait, said— Wait, no. We need to pause for a second. <laughs> Over the last 24 hours, yeah. you have decided to start pronouncing Hagen dazs as Hagen dazs <laughs> Like, Hagen dazs Like, I don't— I think, I, 
do not understand I'm it. I'm feeling really policed in my language over the last five <laughs> minutes, like heavily policed. Would you like to tell the story? No, you okay. Go, you go. Okay. Just um, everyone, keep your ears yes, peeled. Just keep, I'll, I'll just refer to it as HD from now yeah. on because I can't. Yeah. Um, I said, oh my gosh, did you tell her? And he said, I didn't need to tell her. She's a podcast listener. And he said, I tried to tell, he said, I started to say, did you know? And she said, that you have a haagen Finsta? And she said, he, she said, of course I know that. I listened to a few things. I know all of it. I know that there was a shortage in Brooklyn. I know that you guys call it HDVB, haagen vanilla bean, obviously. Um, and I guess, you know, he said, did I want to be connected with her over email? And I said, no, if she's a podcast listener, let's just go straight to the source. She knows. We can talk directly to her. We don't need to be, we don't need this middleman. That's right. She knows we are ready and waiting for a collaboration, a sponsorship, whatever. Um, it starts here. A mutually starts, beneficial partnership. You're all witness now to how this this business deal is going to basically be kicked off. This is us <laughs> It's saying, a kickoff meeting. <laughs> we're, we're ready. We're waiting. We still feel that haagen vanilla bean is the best ice cream anywhere. Listen, I I had a sampling at a party recently of haagen vanilla bean next to Van Leeuwen vanilla bean, which is a, mm. it's a much praised vanilla bean. I don't I don't you care know for it. No one did. Everyone preferred haagen Um Because it's such an excellent product. Yeah, yeah. So that's really all I have to say. I'm so excited for this partnership. I really <laughs> look forward to working with you. I think we all do. Um, we have many ideas up our sleeve. We know that this is destined for success. And um, yeah, look forward to, to meeting you and, and signing on the dotted line. <laughs> um, should we bring our guest on, do you think? I think we should do it. We are so excited about our next guest. Dr. Alexandra Sachs is a reproductive psychiatrist, the host of the Motherhood Sessions podcast, which if you haven't listened, you really Get on it. It's so good. And the author of What No One Tells You, A Guide to Your Emotions from Pregnancy to Motherhood. Dr. Sachs, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. Um, I first heard about you when I was Instagramming probably like three or four weeks postpartum about how all the things I was scared about about motherhood hadn't come true. And in fact, the hardest part of it was reconciling the, like my new identity with my old identity and that that had been a real mind fuck for me. And all of yeah. these people responded to me and said, have you watched this TED talk on matrescence? Um, so can you tell us a little bit about, can you, can you make that, you tell us what yeah, matrescence sure. is? Well, for, first of all, I, thank you for telling me that. And, and, you know, um, in the conversation about what's so hard about the postpartum and, and I think what is so challenging about motherhood today, people often talk about how social media only portrays these perfect images and that and that leads to this myth that people feel that something is wrong with them if they're not um, feeling the sense of bliss and oneness in, in their new motherhood experience. So I'm so glad to hear that you were able to share with your community that you were having our time and that people actually spoke up and connected you to my work. You know, my goal is that I can use social media as a public health platform and to really like turn this on its head that so social media is unhealthy psychologically for us. You yeah. know, I, I don't, I don't know like where social media is going as far as the long-term health benefits and detriment, but it exists here and now. And I think since, since we're on it, since, 
since so many moms are isolated at home or running between home and work with their kids, exhausted, it is the place where many people connect. So to be able to share something vulnerable like that um, and then hear from other moms to support you is is really just warms my heart and is, is what my work is all about. And, you know, it's, it's really the matrescence concept is, is I'm borrowing it from an anthropologist who coined the term in 1970s and her name was Dana Raphael and she's actually cited for being a, a, of the first people to use the term doula. So she was like certainly ahead of her time truly, and really interested in women and culture. And, um, and, and she was describing this term that, that sounds like adolescence, matrescence sounds like adolescence. And that makes sense because it's another time in life. That's a developmental transition. That's hormonal, that's physical, emotional, that social change in the social world. There's a change in every aspect of your life. There may not be another time in a woman's life where things are changing so rapidly, so dramatically. And it's literally from the inside out, the inside of your body, the inside of your hormones, the inside of your neurochemistry and your neurotransmitters in terms of the female brain and estrogen fluctuations, all the way out to your bank account, how you spend your time, how much you can see your friends, how you're able to rest and relax and also work and explore other other parts of the world when you become a primary caretaker or even a partial caretaker. Um, you go from being the center of your world or the other adult relationships, your partner, your other family, to this baby being at the center of the world. And what, what in, differentiates the relationship with the baby is that human newborns are just so completely dependent on us. Yeah. Um, they really can't function independently for a very long time, including sitting up. I just think there's this wider conversation about a developmental transition that is not illness. It's simply a discussion about all of the challenging parts, the awkward parts, the demanding parts, just like we understand teenagers going through that women seem to go through as well in their shifting from one life stage to another. That's not the same thing as having an illness. And it, but it also does come with some, some distress, but just like you described in your story where you, you reached out and heard from others. I think what we really need to do is normalize that the transition to motherhood is challenging. It's challenging because you're changing on all of these levels. And just because you're experiencing discomfort intermittently or regularly, it doesn't mean that, you're destined to be a bad mom. It doesn't mean that you don't love your child. Thank you so much to Thrive Market for sponsoring this week's episode. Thank you so much for making us feel like legitimate snack influencers in oh. the snacking world. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Top, top snack influencers on the on this podcast, That's for right. sure. Um, so something we think you should know about that Thrive Market sells is the California Olive Ranch olive oil. Um, and this came to our attention because a lot of the like big food people, the food fluencers, they all endorse it. Yeah, Julia Tertian, Allison Roman, basically everybody whose cookbook you turn to all the time is using this olive oil. So obviously you should be too. Um, and it's a great excuse to just hop on Thrive Market and, and explore everything else they've got going over there. They are an online marketplace on a mission to make healthy living easy and affordable for everyone. Thrive Market offers the highest quality, healthy, and sustainable products available for every budget, lifestyle, and geography. Join Thrive and unlock endless savings. You can shop for thousands of the best-selling organic foods and natural products at 25 to 50% below traditional prices. 
So throw some of this stuff in your cart. Buy some olive oil. Buy some fish sauce. Buy some canned seafood. Buy some, I don't know, everything. We just love what they have going on over there. Um, Thrive Market's prices are already 25 to 50% off, and they're giving you an extra 25% off your first order plus a free 30-day trial. You're making a grocery run this week already, so why not give Thrive Market a shot? Shop at thrivemarket.com slash a few things. That's thrivemarket.com slash a few things. They'll give you an extra 25% off your first order and a free 30-day trial. Do it. So what is reproductive psychiatry and, and what do you do? Yeah. So reproductive psychiatrists are a subgroup of psychiatrists. We're medical doctors. And psychiatrists and OBGYNs and other doctors send their patients to us often around pregnancy and the postpartum, um, traditionally to find out what medications are safe to take during pregnancy. Um, Historically, we don't have the same type of safety data on medications in pregnancy. And the truth is that's that's true for diabetes medicine and asthma medicine and high blood pressure medicine, all of these medicines that we honor as being necessary to keep a woman healthy and to actually get a baby through a healthy pregnancy. But historically, antidepressants have not been considered part of that essential medical treatment for a woman. And so reproductive psychiatry was developed as an answer to that sort of misunderstanding. And, and I think our field learned the hard way, really, which is that when you take women who are doing well off of their antidepressants, um, they, they struggle in terms of symptoms flaring and there, and there can be problematic outcomes um, for the pregnancy itself. So, you know, the health of the mother and the baby are connected and that includes mental health. And we do all sorts of things outside of um, just talking about medication and pregnancy. Um, I work with women around these types of tra- transitions, um, for sure. Um, the women I talk to on motherhood sessions are not my patients, but are a, a fair kind of range of the types of things I talk about with women all the time. Um, so I, I'm, I do essentially therapy with women who are, who are at, at different life phases wanting to talk about, talk about really anything, but, um, often they come to me around these reproductive and hormonal changes. So, um, you know, it could be something as um, biological as like the couple on my podcast who were um, two women in a partnership talking about their second child and did um, the partner who hadn't given birth to the first, did she want to give birth to the second? The answer was no, but then this led into this conversation about, well, what would it mean then if she didn't have a biologic connection to either of her children because they weren't using one of her eggs? And this is an extension of something I talk about with women all the time as far as fertility treatment um, or adoption or um, even even babies who are born in a, in a kind of traditional biological way, but birth order and when a mom maybe has one, a different relationship with one baby or another. And so how does attachment work and how does bonding work? And so these are, these are fascinating conversations. And just like <laughs> big header for that is that Attachment and bonding are really about care. They're really about lived experience. They're not about DNA. And any mom who has sort of a complicated relationship with their own siblings, their own parents can attest to that. So, you know, those are the kind of complicated moments that people come to me, people struggling around breastfeeding, people struggling around body image, 
um, I just had a piece in the New York Times two days ago on how to sort of reconcile feeling badly about your body after mm. having a baby and, and our culture that kind of has these expressions like bouncing back. It's like a broader societal issue that is always encouraging like this idea of youthfulness and all of the attributes associated with youthfulness that, you know, we're always trying to go backwards in time to this elusive moment where we were the youngest and most beautiful as deemed by, you know, society in a way that is so deeply flawed. I also think, you know, I, as someone who is struggling with this, I think one of the things that I struggled to be able to talk about and feel not judged for before I got pregnant was how fearful I was about giving up my body for basically two years between pregnancy and breastfeeding. And, you know, for me, it's definitely a bit of a control thing um, and wanting to, you know, know that I I am somewhat in control and you really aren't when, when you're pregnant and, and to some extent when you're breastfeeding. And I think it's been an interesting for me to navigate and feel like, some of my insecurities or sort of complaints about it, I feel justified in, but I recognize that in talking about them, people are like, you look fine. You look great. Or like, you're thin. And I'm like, that's not really the point. It's more about the fact that I've given over my body to this process and this person, and that can be really challenging. And so I think in general, the conversation about it, much like many conversations around motherhood, just tends to lack nuance. Yes, I I agree. And I tried to kind of get at that in the piece that it's just, it's a physical representation of the tremendous change that's happening on all sorts of non-visible levels. And I Mm -hmm. think a lot of people, when they're feeling quite not like themselves and quite uncomfortable, they may focus on the weight loss because of the hope that maybe if, if they lost the weight, they would feel back to themselves. But I think so much more complicated than just the shape of your body changing. It's it's really losing control in in many different ways um, that leads, you know, everything from not like not sleeping the way that you used to, if you're, if you're breastfeeding through the night and that leads to you not feeling like yourself throughout the day in all sorts of ways. I agree. I agree. That's a very interesting, larger, larger story because it's also like, how do we celebrate moving forwards into motherhood? That it's, it's not just a loss. It's a gain. Of course, of course. What are some of the emotional and psychological issues that you see surfacing in these conversations that you have maybe about, you know, fertility or this idea of bouncing back or, or just, you know, the complicated nature of parenting? Yeah, I mean, wow, so many different parts to that. But I think some of the common themes are that there's a right way to do it and a wrong way to do yeah. it. And I, I really like to sort of do a bird's eye view with people and say, you know, just like your romantic relationship, it it really has to work for you and your partner. If you look around you, you'll see their relationship and their relationship and their relationship may not be the best model for you. And that's the same for a mother and a baby. That's the same for two parents and a baby. Um, it's really about figuring out who your baby is in terms of their temperament and their style of feeding of of sort of expressing themselves of sleeping of relating and communicating there's how who they are and what their style is and how do you understand them and how do you also kind of have your life match their needs you know because it doesn't always just have to be a complete obliteration of how you used to do things just because um your baby has this sleep, sleeping style um, or that particular 
right. temperament mode. So it's it's really about I think people people fearing that something is wrong with them, wrong with their parenting if things are not looking the way that they think that they should look. And you know, listen, I say this as someone who has written a book for it's not a parenting book, but it's a, it's a book for parents like. I encourage people to be very cautious about what they read in terms of these parenting books, because I think there's this idea that, that if you can, in the information age, that you can like master like parenting, hack it. you can, yeah. you can hack parenting. Right. But it's, that, that is sort of um, a recipe, a setup for emotional <laughs> discomfort or distress or, you're there's you're not moving towards the right answer you're moving towards the right answer the 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 best choices day to day for your relationship with your baby and because babies grow so quickly those choices are shifting even like week to week um so i think the 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 common thread is people kind of questioning their own instincts and questioning their own experience and kind of going to and this goes back to what we were talking about at the beginning going to some larger myths that are perpetuated on social media and that are perpetuated in some different types of discussions around breastfeeding, around sleeping, even around fertility and conception, that there's the most natural, best, um, mythic way to do it. And that if you're falling short of that, this the fear is that there's something wrong with you or maybe you're not going to have what it takes to be a good mom. And I think that's terrifying and devastating for people because we're all connected to our own wounds and scars from our childhood and the ways in which our parents failed us. Every parent is imperfect, right? That's why we talk about the good enough mother. And so no one wants to imagine themselves as a quote, bad mom, but that's where this big, big fear and shame cycle starts is that you recognize maybe you're different. Maybe you're struggling in a particular way. And I think it, it goes down the rabbit hole of what if I don't have what it takes? What if I'm going to be a quote, bad mom? And you've never done it before. So you don't know that the worst is not ahead of you. How well do we understand the role that hormones play in all of this? And do we have ways of sort of helping to regulate or temper some of the, the effects of that? Yeah. You know, we're really just beginning to research this. Um, I think it's really sad that our, well, number one, that mental illness has been kind of like shortchanged as far as funding in terms of areas of research overall. But then, you know, the pregnancy community and, and pregnant women during pregnancy and in the postpartum and women going through hormonal changes at other stages of life you know, if it's not a disease, then is there a drug company that's going to fund the research to develop a drug to sell and, and around treating that disease? Oftentimes, no. So we have, we really need to expand our research on the healthy female brain and its responses to hormonal shifts. Um, but what we do know is just by looking at, at trends in the population, there are um, certain conditions that do present around the, around certain phases of the menstrual cycle, pre, premenstrual dysphoric disorder. We know that many people who have postpartum depression do also have a history of difficulty at other times in their life of estrogen fluctuation. And then we see other things that spring up around menopause. So we're, we're getting to understand this better. We, we are looking at functional neuroimaging to try to better understand it. We're kind of at the beginning. I think one thing that I can explain 
one thing that I can explain is that I don't think of these things as um, caused by one singular event. Like your hormone shifting is why you feel this way. I think there it's it's multifactorial. And in psych- in psychiatry, we talk about the biological, the psychological, and the social as playing into the way that people feel. So hormone shifts are an important part of it, but they're not at the center of everyone's experience. For some people, they're it's it's quite forceful. But I think for everyone, you have to factor in also the tremendous psychological and social dynamics that are shifting around during this, these phases. Um, so your podcast, Motherhood Sessions, is, is structured like therapy sessions with mothers or with parents um, dealing with tougher issues. And you have described the topic of the show is not about how to care for a child, but how to care for a woman. What are some of the things that go overlooked in terms of caring for a woman that make the, can make the biggest difference? Yeah, I mean, so many different things on the podcast. Really, what I think I spend the most time talking to people about, and I think it's just the nature of it being a therapy session, is their own path. Yeah. Like where, where they've come from and kind of their feelings about how they were raised or their active feelings with their own parents as they become grandparents. So one of the things I think you can do in your own self-care as you enter parenthood is kind of take, take the time and take stock of your relationship with your parents. How are they going to be involved or not? What are the types of boundaries that you need to set? What are the types of fears that you have based on what you've been through? when you were a child and someone else was the mother, you know? So I think really like honoring your narrative and, and, and that stuff is, is really kind of like time travel, I think in new motherhood. And, and those are the stories that I think are most profound and moving um, on the podcast, talking about talking with a woman who really just like had kind of worked through a lot of tension that she had with her dad and had really kind of worked out some healthy boundaries with him. But when she became a mom, she started to feel really guilty about, quote, depriving her daughter of a relationship with a grandparent and sort of tried to introduce him back into their lives and and so much fear and and so much so many so much complex longing. And that, I think that's super common on all sorts of different levels. But getting down to the granular, I think going from the most abstract to your past and your fears to the most concrete to sleep is 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 something that I think is central to self-care around motherhood, um, around pregnancy and around new parenting. Um, you know, when your sleep is disrupted, it impacts every aspect of how you feel from your hormones to your body. And, um, it's very hard to get enough sleep because babies interrupt that. So that sort of lends itself to talking about sharing the care. And if you have a partner, how do you sort of think about things like splitting the night into blocks? And then how does that work in communication in your relationship in terms of talking about sharing the load and this conversation about emotional labor, which is really the invisible work that women do predominantly more than men. And even in same-sex couples, we see that there's one partner predominantly takes over on the invisible tasks of parenting, you know, thinking about oh, what are we going to have for dinner? Thinking about, oh, when do we need to get new diapers? Or the kind of sitting with emotional shifting that children experience. And, you know, even things like who's going to make a birthday card for the mother? <laughs> you know, the labor that women take on. And it's, it's what's really interesting is that this is not only seen in the home, it's seen in the office too, right? How women kind of 
are plunked into the role of caretaker, whether they necessarily want to be primary caretakers or not. And I think that's a really important conversation, too, in terms of your self-care. How are you stepping back and letting other people step in to help with the child care? Or how are you asking other people to step up for the child care or setting aside resources for that? One of the things that I think about a lot and that you sort of touched on here is how we bring men into this conversation. And one of my concerns is that I do think we've gotten to a more honest place amongst like women-centered communities just in terms of being honest about parenting and that it's not all, you know. It's not all good or bad. Right. It's like not all challenges or joy. Exactly. But Mm -hmm. I do tend to feel as though men aren't part of those conversations. They're not having those conversations amongst themselves. And so when it comes to thinking about like how are we going to um, you know, managed sleep, for example, because they're not privy to the same conversations, because they're not educated about it in the same way, and they don't hear somebody like you say, this is a critical issue. They're not engaging in the conversation at the same level that their wife or partner might be. Paternity leave is going to be a game changer in this conversation. And Serena Williams' husband was so remarkable recently in coming out as an advocate for this. Um, It's really, I think, important that men as workers are seen as people who will also be taking time off and stepping away from their jobs when they have children and that it's not it's not just the women. And what's so important about that is not only in the workplace. And so men and women are seen seen as equally participating in their domestic roles and also stepping away from work to do that so that it's not only women who are compromised in the workplace from the perspective of the employer. But what's also really important is that men have time to be home with their children to learn and have, you know, those 10,000 hours to develop their own expertise in parenting, too. So I I think there are so many things that need to be done. Um, That's just the tip of the iceberg. And I'd love to hear. I think that that should be its own we could have our own our own podcast just on that. We have like every week a different topic. Yeah. It's so important. No, I think you made a really good point about men modeling the behavior. And I think Alexis Ohanian is a great example. And as one of the founders of Reddit, like to be able to say like, I, you know, I, 16 I, weeks. Yeah, I took 16 weeks. I will take this time. And this is like something that we should value and that we should encourage in our employees. And um, I think that that's really meaningful and does go a really long way. Dr. Sachs, thank you so much for coming on. If you are interested in hearing more of, of all of this kind of conversation, please listen to Motherhood Sessions. They're really, really inspiring and intriguing. And, and you know, I am not a mother and got a lot out of them. <laughs> and she also has a wonderful Instagram account, Alexandra Sachs, MD. And, you know, listen to her TED Talk. Yeah. (laughs) And read the book. All of it. That's the show. This has been a production of Dear Media. You can listen to us wherever podcasts are found, like Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify. Leave us reviews. We love them. Follow us at Of A Kind on Instagram and Twitter and like our Facebook page. If you have ideas or requests for the show, email them to a few things at ofakind.com. To advertise on our podcast, that's advertising at ofakind.com. Our intro music, Butterfield East, is written and performed by the Soulful Saints. 